What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 123, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night going down this Saturday, November 14, 2020, headlined by Rafael Dos Anjos versus Paul Felder. This 12-fight card will take place from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in the small UFC cage. I'm recording this podcast on Friday morning before the event, and as of right now, we do have 12 fights, but just keep an eye out to see if any fighters miss weight and the fights are canceled or there were any COVID cancellations, and you can fast forward through those fights if they got canceled. Just a quick recap of last week, I did go 7 for 3 on official predictions and profit around 3.7 units on my official Bet MMA tips page, which brings me back to around 39 units profit for the year of 2020. Throughout my podcast, I give a lot of advice and opinions on betting lines and which lines I think hold value, but to find out which bets I officially make, you have to check out my Bet MMA Tips page. You can follow me on that and get an email, so every time I post a pick, you get an email, and you can check out the bets that I made over there. That is where I track all my most official, confident bets, the, the bets that I think have the most value. So even if I'm picking a fighter on the podcast, if I'm picking fighter A, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily betting on fighter A. Sometimes I bet against who I officially predict. So that's why you got to check out my Bet MMA Tips page where you can find out all my official bets for the card. In the first fight of the night, we're going to start things off in the heavyweight division. We have Roque Martinez taking on Dontel Mays. The opening betting line for this one was Mays minus 205 to Martinez plus 175. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Mays minus 230 to Martinez plus 195. More action coming in on the favorite in this one, Dante Mays, and I'm going to disagree with the action. Not because I think there's value on Rogue Martinez. I just think it's crazy laying minus 200 on a low-level heavyweight fight like this. But with that being said, I do think that Dante Mays is the more proven fighter. He has the better wins. He's the more skilled fighter. And I am going to be picking him to win this one. But there's no way you can be betting the money line in this fight. It's just such a low-level fight. If you want to place any action on this fight, I think that the starts round two prop, the starts round three prop, the goes to distance over, all the overs for this fight have a lot of value. These are heavyweights. They have a lot of finishes on the record. And I think the oddsmaker didn't spend much time setting these lines, kind of just threw some lines out there. So if you were able to get in on those starts round two, starts round three props, I think those are good value and those likely hit. The reason why I think this fight lasts longer than the market anticipates is because Dante Mace is not a good finisher. He doesn't hit particularly hard, and Martinez looked very tough in that debut versus Romanov. It took a lot for him to uh, get finished in that fight, and I think that honestly, if we see an early finish, it could be Martinez catching Mays and getting an early knockout, and I really think that if Mays wins, it'll be in round three or by decision. So if you want to stab on Mays by decision, uh, go ahead and do so. I do think that that is the outcome here. Uh, but low-level fight that I will not be betting. The next fight takes place in the bantamweight division. We have Geraldo De Freitas taking on Tony Gravely. The opening betting line for this one was Gravely minus 160 to De Freitas plus 140. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Gravely minus 145 to De Freitas plus 125. More action coming in on the underdog, Geraldo De Freitas in this one. He was actually up to about a plus 150 underdog, which I think was a bit wide. So I understand why people took that plus money on Geraldo De Freitas. But where the line is approaching now, I think the value could be shifting towards Tony Gravely. 
This will be a competitive fight. I think these guys are pretty evenly matched everywhere. I think that Geraldo de Freitas is the slightly better striker. He just seems a little more comfortable at range. He has some solid boxing, while Gravely is kind of just striking to close distance to get inside on his opponents and look for takedowns. Gravely's game is mostly takedown based, but he does not have great top position. He doesn't have great wrestling. He's a decent athlete. He comes forward the entire time. He shoots a high amount of takedowns, but I'm just not overly impressed with his skills. Geraldo de Freitas actually has pretty similar grappling skills. He shoots a high amount of takedowns, but doesn't have the greatest top position. And the one thing there is to like about him is even if he's getting beat up on the feet, he's getting outstruck, he will continue to come forward to try to shoot takedowns and get the fight to the floor where he thinks he excels. But I think he has a hard time taking down Tony Gravely. I think that Tony Gravely is the much more proven defensive grappler of the two. Gravely has fought and beaten the much better competition. And we've seen his defensive grappling tested a lot more. He did have a very back and forth fight with Brett Johns last fight where he eventually got his back taken and rear naked choked in round three. There is no shame in that loss though. Brett Johns is a very good fighter, very tough fighter to make your UFC debut against. And I think that Brett Johns would beat Geraldo de Freitas a lot more handedly than he did Tony Gravely. So the way I see this fight going is Geraldo de Freitas will be the slightly more effective striker on the feet. And both of these guys are going to be looking for takedowns. They both shoot a high amount of takedowns. And we're due for some very competitive grappling scrambles between the two. Where I think they will be reversing one another a lot. Getting some dominant positions. Escaping those positions. And kind of going back and forth in the grappling here. And I do trust Tony Gravely a little bit more. I think his strength of schedule is a lot better. I think we have seen his defensive grappling tested a lot more. And I trust him to be able to reverse position. To get off his back a little bit more than I do for Geraldo de Freitas. So the pick for me is going to be Tony Gravely by decision. I think a finish is pretty unlikely here. If a finish happens, it'll likely be a submission from Geraldo de Freitas. Gravely is not the most positionally sound grappler and he has given up his back, got his back taken a few times throughout his fights. So that is going to be a path to finish for Geraldo de Freitas, but I do not think it happens. I think a close competitive decision is what we see here. And in terms of a pre-fight money line bet, I understand why people were coming in on Geraldo de Freitas early, but I think the pre-fight value is on Gravely in this one. Geraldo de Freitas was taken down and slammed pretty early versus Felipe Colares, and I think that Gravely is able to get a takedown and win round one here. So if you want to bet Geraldo de Freitas here, look to live bet, hold off till midway through round one at the end of round one. I think that's when you get the best price. Um, but once again, the pick is Gravely by decision. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Randa Marcos taking on Kanako Murata. The opening betting line for this one was Murata minus 130 to Marcos plus 108. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Murata minus 182 to Marcos plus 157. A ton of action coming in on the favorite Kanako Murata, and I'm going to disagree with the action. Murata is making her UFC debut here against an established fighter in Random Marcos, and she is somehow a massive favorite, and I just do not get it at all. I think that Murata does deserve to be a slight favorite in this one. I think that where the opening line was set was actually very accurate, but where it's gotten to now is just gotten way out of hand. I think that people are seeing Murata 11-1 versus Marcos 10-9 and just defaultly betting on Murata. She is on a pretty good win streak as well, I think about six or seven fights. But that's just the wrong way to go about this fight. I'll start off by just sharing my thoughts on Murata. And to be honest, I was pretty unimpressed with what I saw on her tape. She's a very one-dimensional fighter, and that dimension is wrestling. Not even grappling, but just wrestling. She really only thrives at hitting takedowns in MMA. 
Once she takes her opponents down, she does not have good top control. She does not hold her opponents down usually. The opponents usually start to stand back up, and Murata goes for a front choke like a Darce, Guillotine, Anaconda, and they usually do not succeed, and her opponents stand their way back up to the feet. In terms of Murata's striking, I'm very unimpressed. It seems like Murata doesn't really intend on striking to hurt her opponents at all. It seems like she has no intention of landing hard strikes on her opponent. She is striking purely to set up her wrestling shots. She stays at kicking range. She stays very far away from her opponents, throws a bunch of feeler strikes, and then explodes with a big takedown entry. And she usually hits those takedowns. She's good at getting those entries and timing those, uh, those entries to her takedowns. But once she gets those takedowns, she's not really doing much with them. She's not getting submissions. She doesn't land much ground and pound. She doesn't hold her opponents down. And I think that she takes random Marcos down here, but she's not going to hold her down. Marcos is the better overall grappler. She is the much better jujitsu. Marcos is going to work her way back up to the feet. And on the feet, Marcos is the better striker, no question. Marcos is not a super damaging or noteworthy striker, but she did compete on the feet versus Amanda Hibas a few fights ago, and she has just fought the much better competition of the two. I think she's the much more skilled striker, the more skilled overall MMA fighter. She doesn't have the greatest takedown defense, even though she is a wrestler of her own, and I do think that Murata takes her down here, but I do not think that Murata justifies that minus 180 price because she's going to be hitting brief takedowns. She might win the rounds on the takedowns, but she's not going to be landing strikes. I highly doubt she submits Marcos. She doesn't really land much ground and pound. I just really see no way that Murata justifies this minus 180 price. So to be honest, I think that Marcos at plus 150 or higher is a must bet for at least a half unit, one unit. Maybe throw some on Marcos by decision as well. I see this being a close decision type of fight, and Murata might edge these these rounds by hitting late takedowns by maybe doing something with the top position once he gets it. Maybe she surprises me and lands some ground and pound. Maybe she holds Marcos down. And I think in terms of an official prediction, I am going to go with Murata by decision. I think that she will win a close 29-28 by landing late takedowns, by influencing the judges to, to give her those rounds. But I definitely do not think she justifies her price here. And I think that there is still more value on Random Marcos. So despite me picking Murata, I will be betting Random Marcos here, likely for around one unit total spread between money line and decision. The next fight takes place in the bantamweight division. We have Jose Alberto Quinones taking on Luis Smolka. The opening betting line for this one was Smolka minus 135 to Quinones plus 115. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Smolka minus 143 to Quinones plus 123. There is two-way action coming in on this fight, a little bit more on Smolka's side, and I agree with that side. He is the more recognizable fighter. He has wins over better competition, and I give Smolka an advantage everywhere here. I give him a slight striking advantage. I think he will be the more effective striker because he's a little more aggressive. I think he puts a little more power into his punches, and Quinones is kind of content to sit back and fight at kicking range, kind of low volume at times. In the grappling here, I give Smolka a pretty significant advantage. We have seen both of these guys grapple a lot, and I just think that we've seen a lot more impressive skill from Luis Smolka. Quinones does shoot and hit a good amount of takedowns, but I think if he does take down Smolka, Smolka will threaten with subs off his back. He will look to sweep. He will look to get back up to his feet. And again, I do think Smolka will have a slight striking advantage here. I like what I've seen from Smolka in terms of his striking the past few fights. Even though one was against a really low-level opponent in McDonald, 
His most recent fight against Casey Kenny, despite him getting finished in round one of that fight, he came out very aggressive. He was coming at Casey Kenny. He was throwing good combinations of punches. He was ripping to the body of Casey Kenny. And his boxing looked good. I think that Luis Smolger has been making improvements in his boxing. And I think that we will see him be the slightly more effective striker here. And he will be the better overall grappler. Even if he gets taken down, he will work his way back up to the feet, threaten with a submission. And I think that we could even see a smoke of submission on the mat here if these guys end up in long exchanges of grappling. So it's not the most confident pick because it is a very competitive fight. I do think that Quinones does have a possibility to win this fight. He can mix it up on the feet a little bit better and hit takedowns to edge those close rounds. So it's not a confident pick. And Smolka is not exactly a guy I'm confident laying uh, that minus money on betting him as a favorite. So I'm not going to be betting this fight, although I am picking Smolka by decision. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Alex Morono taking on Rice McKee. The opening betting line for this one was Morono minus 300 to McKee plus 250. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Morono minus 180 to McKee plus 155. More action coming in on the underdog Rice McKee in this one, and I agree with that action. I think that where the opening line was set was way too wide, but where the line is at now, it's just going to be a pass on both sides for me. Earlier on in the week, I thought that there could be some value on Morono at this price, considering he has fought and beaten the much better competition. I mean, if you look on Morono's record, he did get knocked out in, by Kalen Williams in 30 seconds in his last fight. That was a terrible performance. He got caught early and put out in that fight. But before that, he had three quality wins over Song, Zach Otto, and over Max Griffin. Those are three quality fighters, three guys who I think are probably better than any fighter Rice McKee has beaten in his career before. But to be honest, re-watching Morono's fights, he's just a little too underwhelming to bet him as this minus 185 favorite. One thing I'll say is that McKee has very poor takedown defense. He's been taken down in a lot of his regional fights and doesn't do well getting back up to the feet after he gets taken down. But Morono doesn't really shoot a high amount of takedowns and he tends to keep fights on the feet, just striking most of the time. He is a decent striker. I think he is the better overall striker than Rice McKee, but I just do not trust him enough to be betting him at minus 185. He's going to keep the fight standing. It's going to be a kickboxing fight. McKee is a young, long, tall, improving fighter, and he could come in here with some improvements and actually outstrike Morono. That's a real possibility here. So I'm going to be passing on this fight, although I will stick with my official prediction of Alex Morono by decision. He actually has a decent amount of pop behind his punches at times. He can, he can hit people clean and drop them, and McKee doesn't have the greatest defense. So I could see a knockout along the line, but I'm going to go with the decision. I think I've picked decision in every single fight so far. So maybe we see a finish in one of these fights, but I'm going to officially predict Moreno decision. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Miranda Granger taking on Ashley Yoder. The opening betting line for this one was Granger minus 170 to Yoder plus 145. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Granger minus 160 to Yoder plus 140. There is two-way action coming in on this fight. Yoder was actually bet early. She got around to plus 100, plus 110 area, but people have, the past few days have been betting Miranda Granger heavily, and to be honest, I do not get it at all. I think this is kind of a similar story to the first women's fight where we have Granger at 7-1 versus Ashley Yoder at 7-6. Been struggling, had a few losses lately, and I think that people are just blind betting Miranda Granger here. 
Granger is primarily a grappler. Most of her wins have come by way of submission, although in her UFC debut, she did put on a decent striking performance against Hannah Goldie. She looked good at distance and in the clinch there, so she does have some ability on the feet, but she definitely thrives getting the fight to the floor and submitting her opponents, but a lot of her submissions are over lower-level opponents, and I think that Ashley Yoder is a much better grappler than a lot of the opponents that Granger has submitted. Yoder actually had a very competitive grappling fight versus Randa Marcos recently. She was able to survive the ground versus Mackenzie Dern, and she was actually able to hit her own takedowns and dominate Suri Kondo on the mat very recently. So Yoder is a very capable grappler. She can hit her own takedowns. She can keep top position, attempt submissions, and she can even escape bottom if she gets put there. So if Granger is taking Yoder down and trying to submit her, I do not think she succeeds. And I think that the fight will be mostly contested on the feet, where I do give Yoder an advantage. I think she is the better striker. I think she's got the better striking technique. And she's had more success against higher level competition than Granger has in the striking. The only fighter that we really seen Granger outstrike was Hannah Goldie, who is a very inexperienced UFC fighter. So I just do not think that win really proves much. I really am pretty confident here that the market is way off on this price. I think that the fight, even if Miranda Granger wins, she will look like a slight favorite at best, but nowhere near minus 170. I think the, to put her chances at over 60% in this fight are quite wild. I could even see capping Ashley Yoder as the favorite here because I give her a striking advantage. I think she is the more well-rounded overall grappler, and I think that she's fought and beaten the better competition than Miranda Granger has too. I'm going to be picking my first underdog of the podcast. I am going to be picking Ashley Yoder to win this fight via decision. I think she's just a slightly better fighter in terms of striking and grappling here. So I think she edges the fight while it's on the feet. She avoids getting taken out or gets off of her back, reverses position, and ends up on top herself to win the grappling exchanges here. So it's not the most confident pick because it is pretty low-level MMA. Ashley Yoder has let me down a few times before in close decision type of fights, but I am going to be picking her, and I think there is a considerable amount of value on her at plus 150. I think at best you can cap this fight at like 53% for Granger. I think there's an argument to be made that Yoder could be the favorite in this fight as well. So Yoder is worth a small bet at this price, and I will be picking her to win by decision. The next fight is the first fight on the main card in the middleweight division. We have Sean Strickland taking on Brendan Allen. The opening betting line for this one was Strickland minus 125 to Allen plus 105. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Allen minus 115 to Strickland minus 105. The line has slightly flipped. We now see Brendan Allen as the slight favorite in this fight, although there is definitely two-way action coming in on this fight. Very close fight. Very good matchup. This fight wasn't even supposed to happen until just a few days ago. Um, Ian Heinisch fell out of his fight versus Brendan Allen last week, and they threw in uh, Brendan Allen versus Sean Strickland coming off of a win over Jack Marshman just about two or three weeks ago. So this is a pretty fight to break down in my opinion. Sean Strickland is the better striker, no question. I don't think a single analyst or capper in the world would argue that Brendan Allen is the better striker than Strickland. And when the fight stays in the feet, I think Strickland is going to be busting Allen up. Allen does not have good defense, and Strickland is very accurate with his punches. Strickland also has the ability to primarily box. We saw in that fight versus Jack Marshman, I think he threw 95% hands in that fight. He has the ability to fight without using kicks and knees, and he can just use footwork and box. And that's what he's going to have to do against Brendan Allen because Brendan Allen is going to be looking to close the distance and get that takedown like he does in most of his fights. But as I was mentioning in the Ian Heinish fight last week, we actually haven't seen Brendan Allen hit that many takedowns in the UFC. A lot of his fights end up on the floor. Um, 
because his opponents took him down and he ends up reversing it. He is a very good grappler. He is able to reverse position. He has a very tight top game. When he gets on top, it's very hard for his opponents to escape. So if Brendan Allen does manage to get a takedown and gets Sean Strickland flat on the mat with Strickland's shoulders on the mat in a half guard or side control mount type of position, I do think that Brendan Allen likely keeps that top position, wins rounds, possibly even gets a finish from top position, and Strickland will have a hard time escaping that. But to be honest, I don't think that Allen gets the fight to the floor very easily. I think that Strickland has very good layers of takedown defense. He was able to stuff 11 of 11 takedowns versus Court McGee. He was able to stuff takedowns from Tom Breeze. He even stuffed 6 out of 8 of Kamaru Usman's takedowns as well. All those fights were at welterweight. Strickland did move up to middleweight pretty recently. His last fight was actually his first fight at middleweight after he's coming off of that long layoff in the motorcycle accident. People had some concerns over his physical condition in that fight, but he looked tremendous. He looked very sharp in that fight, had three rounds of solid output, and was just busting Jack Marshman up the entire time. So this fight really comes down to can Sean Strickland stuff the takedowns of Brendan Allen? Personally, I am trusting him to do so. I think he's able to avoid the takedown. If he does get briefly taken down, I don't expect him to give up two dominant positions. He will work his way back up to the feet and then get back, get back to outstriking Brendan Allen on the feet where he has a clear striking advantage. A few things I'm concerned about is that Allen is likely the more athletic, stronger, more physical fighter at 185. He's the more natural middleweight while Strickland is kind of still moving into that body at 185 pounds. Another concern I have is Sean Strickland is not the most powerful striker. He doesn't really have that knockout type of power where he's going to be able to stop Brendan Allen in his tracks. And if he's going to be winning this fight, he's going to have to be consistently outstriking Brendan Allen, stuffing takedowns for 15 minutes straight. And that is a lot to ask of him. He has not done that much lately. He hasn't had many opponents try to take him down lately. It's been about three or four years since we've really seen his takedown defense tested. But I'm still going to trust it here. I'm still going to trust him to stuff the takedowns, to outbox Allen on the feet, and to win a decision here. So it'll likely be 29-28. Won't be the clearest of decisions. But I think Sean Strickland will win the fight. And at minus 105, I do think there is value. I think that I would cap Sean Strickland's chances in this fight at around 57 to 63%. Because Brendan Allen needs takedowns to win. He cannot win the fight without takedowns. And I do not think it is a guarantee at all that he gets those takedowns. So I do think that Sean Strickland deserves about minus 150 or higher in this fight. So that means there is a good amount of value on Strickland. And I will likely end up with about one and a half to two units on Sean Strickland. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Antonio Arroyo taking on Eric Anders. The opening betting line for this one was... Anders minus 170 to Arroyo plus 145. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Anders minus 125 to Arroyo plus 105. Much more action coming in on the underdog Antonio Arroyo, and I'm going to disagree with the action. I've been pretty unimpressed with what I've seen from Arroyo so far. He is mostly a kicker on the feet, and he doesn't really throw many punches. Although I will say he does have very fast body kicks and good setups to his head kicks. And Arroyo also likes hitting a lot of takedowns. He shoots a high amount of takedowns, but in my opinion, his grappling is not very good. He does not have a heavy top game, does not have a reliable control of his opponents on the ground. And a lot of the opponents that Arroyo submitted were lower level, and it's not going to really work at the same level in the UFC. Arroyo's debut against Andre Muniz was just an 
awful performance from Arroyo. I mean, he looked so terrible in that fight, getting taken down, stuck on his back. Even when he was on top, he had positions uh, to do damage. When Muniz is on the ground, he did almost nothing, was just staring at Muniz for several minutes in that fight. I mean, honestly, staring. He was standing on top of Muniz while Muniz was laying on his back, and Arroyo was doing nothing. It seemed like he was very gassed out in that fight, and he struggled with the takedowns, the top control of Andre Muniz. Arroyo's takedown defense and his get-ups are not very good, and it leads me to believe that if Eric Anders chooses to wrestle here, I think he will be able to hit takedowns and likely keep some top position by just laying and praying on top of Arroyo. Now, Anders isn't the most reliable wrestler. He did shoot a lot of takedowns versus Thiago Santos. He shot some takedowns versus Christoph Jocko in his most recent fight. And I'm not super confident in he comes out wrestling here, but I do think that if he does choose to wrestle, he could look like a minus 200, minus 300 favorite. And even if the fight stays standing on the feet, I still think I favor Eric Anders slightly. I think he has the better overall volume. He's very durable. He is extremely hard to finish and hurt with strikes. And I think that Arroyo really has a very small window for an early knockout in this fight. Maybe he can land a hard body kick or head kick in the first few minutes. But outside of that, I see it being, being very difficult for Antonio Arroyo to win the fight considering he doesn't really land many head strikes his volume and cardio tends to fall off pretty significantly later in the fight and he won't be able to take down and hold down Eric Anders very easily so I see this being a very difficult matchup for Antonio Arroyo and I think that Eric Anders is getting a bit undervalued in the betting line I mean he is the much more established UFC fighter he's fought and beaten the better competition and I think he's the better overall well-rounded skilled fighter as well and he's only a minus 125 favorite here now I did just see on the weigh-ins that Eric Anders did miss weight by about a pound and a half which is never a good sign but it's not enough to completely disqualify him uh, from betting and I'm honestly contemplating a bet on Eric Anders considering the action is heavily coming in on Antonio Arroyo I may wait until fight day a few hours before the event starts to lock in my action because it seems like the line is trending in the opposite direction um, so I think I like Eric Anders in this fight. I think that if he hits takedowns and chooses to wrestle, he will look like a massive favorite. And even if he keeps the fight standing, I think he will be the better overall striker. He will be durable enough. He will be landing more volume than Arroyo. And he could even edge the striking here if it's a pure kickboxing match. So the pick for me is going to be Eric Anders. I'm going to go with a decision as the pick for this one. And I'm possibly looking into locking some action on Eric Anders. So check out my Bet MMA tips page in the next 24 hours to see if I lock in any official bets on Anders. The next fight was supposed to be a middleweight fight between Julian Marquez and Sapabeg Safarov, but Safarov was not able to make weight and the fight has been canceled. Uh, just a quick note on my thoughts in that fight i was actually loving the value on sapabek safarov as an underdog and might have even straight up picked him as a plus 250 underdog in that fight it's sad we're missing out on that betting spot but we are just going to move on to the next fight hopefully they re they uh, rebook that fight in the near future the next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division we have Kay hansen taking on Corey mckenna the opening betting line for this one was Hansen as the favorite at minus 130 to McKenna plus 110 underdog. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Hansen minus 205 to McKenna plus 175. Way more action coming in on the favorite Kay Hansen in this one. And I agree with the early action. I think that Hansen does deserve to be about a 60 to 63% favorite here. But where it's at now, closer to 65, 70%. I think that it is a dog or pass situation, and there is some slight value on Corey McKenna at these dog odds. 
These two women are actually very similar fighters. They're both primarily grapplers. They are most comfortable when hitting takedowns and doing work from top position. And both of their strikings are a bit underdeveloped. They're defensively lacking and tend to get lit up on the feet with strikes when the fight stays on the feet. And when they're not able to close the distance and get those takedowns, they both tend to struggle. But to be honest, from what I've seen from both of them, I do think that Corey McKenna is the slightly better striker. I think she's got the better technique. But I think Hansen is the more aggressive and powerful striker it seems like she puts more power and strength in her strike so it's going to be a very competitive striking fight I think that McKenna has the technique advantage and Hansen has the athleticism advantage and I'm going to go with Hansen to edge the striking on the feet I think that her coming forward throwing more volume with a little more power behind it is going to lead to her edging the striking in this fight and in terms of the grappling I also believe that Kay Hansen is the better grappler I think that she has had success out grappling much better opponents she's come from the Invicta promotion which is much better competition than the women's uh, competition over in the Cage Warriors promotion I also think that McKenna could be getting a bit overrated here coming off of her win on the Contender Series versus Demopolis. It was just a terrible fighter, terrible grappler, was literally falling down in that fight. She wasn't even getting taken down. She slipped and fell a few times in that fight, and McKenna was able to rather dominate her from top position. But I do not think that it will look that easy in this fight at all. I think that Kay Hansen is a much better grappler than the opponents that McKenna has fought. And I ultimately am going to be picking Kay Hansen to win this fight via decision. I could even see a submission along the lines. I think that Hansen will be edging the striking on the feet. She will be the one who are having more success with their takedowns. I think it's going to be competitive on the ground. I think that we will see some back and forth exchanges, but ultimately we will see the better grappling and the more experience of Kay Hansen come out. I also think she's the much more athletic fighter of the two, and I think that will really come into play here uh, throughout the long grappling sequences between these two. Um, the official prediction will be Kay Hansen by decision. I could see a submission somewhere along the line, but I'll go with decision as the official prediction. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Abdul Razak Al-Hassan taking on Chaos Williams. The opening betting line for this one was Razak minus 175 to Williams plus 135. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Al-Hassan minus 242, Williams plus 205. Much more action coming in on the favorite, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, and I agree with that action. I think a good way to think about this fight is if you remove both of their last fights, if you remove Razak's loss to Lazez and you remove that round one knockout finish over Morona for Williams, what would the line be on this fight? I think we would be looking at Razak as a minus 400, minus 600, huge favorite. But I think there's some recency bias going into this line. Definitely that opening line. That was definitely set too short. And I think the market has come in on the right side and has bet Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. I do favor him in this fight. I think this fight really has two ways of playing out. I tweeted this earlier in the week. I think we're going to see either a 60-second brawl and one of these guys is going to get knocked out. Or we're going to see them both look very tepid, both not really throw much volume on the feet. We maybe see a takedown from either two and laying and praying on top position and we see a decision where not much happens. And if the fight were to go the distance, if it does get out of round one, I think I would start to favor Chaos Williams a little bit more. I think that the earlier fight favors Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, where he can pressure opponents and swarm them with combinations of punches and get early knockouts like most of his wins have come. 
But if you get Al Hassan out of round one, if you get him into the later rounds, he starts to slow down. He starts to lose a lot of his knockout power. And a lot of his striking is just purely based on knockouts. He does not have really good distance striking. And the same could be said about Chaos Williams. Both of these guys, when they're at distance, when they're at kicking range, are pretty bad strikers. They're not very technical. But when they're coming forward, when they're aggressive, when they're stringing combinations of strikes together, they are dangerous and effective. That's why I think we see an early round one knockout here because I don't think these guys are going to be content to stay at range. I think that it will just be too ugly and sketchy for both of them at kicking range and they're both going to just come forward and trade in the center and one of these guys is going to get knocked out. I have to favor Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. He just seems more comfortable in brawls. He seems more durable and I think he has the more power considering he has knocked out more notable opponents than Chaos Williams has. So I do think that Chaos Williams is potentially live here if he looks for takedowns. He has hit takedowns and kind of stalled in top position in the past fights. And he could look to do that here and win a decision via lay and pray and exploit that takedown defense and exploit the bad getups of Abdul Razak Al-Hassan that were exploited by Munir Lazez in their last fight. Uh, I do not think that's an extremely likely outcome, but if you want to throw a small bet on Williams by decision or just the goes to distance prop, I think that is worth it. But go very small, less than a half a unit, maybe a quarter unit. And I think the most likely way this fight ends is by round one knockout. So I'm going to go with Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, round one knockout as my official prediction. I think this is like the first actual finish I've predicted on the entire podcast. So... Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully we get some exciting fights, some good finishes, and I think we do see a finish here, likely a round one knockout for Al-Hassan. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Paul Felder taking on Rafael Dos Anjos. The opening betting line for this one was Dos Anjos minus 160 to Felder plus 140. Over on Bet Online, we are seeing Dos Anjos minus 192 to Felder plus 167. More action coming in on the favorite, Rafael Dos Anjos, and I understand why the action came in, but I still am going to disagree with the action. We got Paul Felder coming in here on five days short notice. Islam Mahachev and Rafael Dos Anjos was supposed to be the main event of this card, but Islam fell out. So RDA has been preparing for this fight for several months. Meanwhile, Paul Felder has not been preparing at all he's actually been preparing for a triathlon allegedly so he should be in decent shape but that training is so much different than mma training so much different than grappling and striking training it really is a whole different uh, cardio to be honest so I am a bit worried about Paul Felder's conditioning and his cardio here. I think that if the fight goes into the later rounds, we could see Paul Felder potentially start to slow down. But Paul Felder's cardio in round four and five versus Dan Hooker of his first five-round fight looked tremendous. I thought that he won rounds four and five of that fight. I thought that Paul Felder deserved that decision pretty clearly. I gave him rounds two, four, and five. I think I gave him round one of that fight. I think I had that one 49-46 for Paul Felder. But sadly, the judges uh, in Hooker's hometown decided to disagree. I have my concerns about both fighters in this fight. As I mentioned earlier, Paul Felder is short notice. He's not really prepared cardio-wise. He's jumping into a five-round fight without really any of a fight camp in his belt. So that's a big concern. But then on the other hand, we have Rafael Dos Anjos dropping back down to lightweight. He spent some time at welterweight for a few years. Now he's adding a significantly bigger weight cut to his, his fight camp, cutting an extra 15 pounds. And I also believe that Rafael Dos Anjos is a significantly declined fighter. I mean, if you look at him from his championship run back in 2014, 15, 16, 
to where he's at now, he has fallen a long way. I mean, even if you compare the Rafael de Sanjos, uh, his welterweight resurgence of 2017-2018 to now, I mean, I think the guy is looking significantly declined. He never would have lost to Michael Chiesa if it was the prime version or anywhere near the prime version of himself, but he was pretty soundly beaten by Michael Chiesa in that fight. He really struggled with the takedowns, with the top pressure of Chiesa. He looked a bit undersized at welterweight in that fight. When the fight was on the feet and he had opportunities to do damage to Chiesa, he just didn't look very motivated. He wasn't landing a lot of strikes. He looked kind of deflated. He was moving backwards very easily. Then in round three, he gets taken down and stuck on bottom again and just could not get up. He looked like he had poor energy in that fight. His takedown defense was bad as usual. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say that as usual because he has fought some of the highest level wrestlers in all of uh, uh, welterweight. Kamara Usman, Colby Covington, uh, even Leon Edwards is a tremendous grappler and wrestler. He was able to take uh, Rafael Dos Anjos down. So it's hard to say how far did Rafael has declined because he is still facing pretty elite level competition. As I just mentioned, Colby Usman and uh, Edwards, those are the three best welterweights in the UFC. And Rafael Dos Santos went to five round decisions with all of them. But considering the fact that we did see him struggle with Michael Chiesa leads me to believe that he is significantly declined. He is not the fighter he once was. And I really question Rafael Dos Santos's physicality. Considering I don't think that Rafael looked good physically versus Michael Chiesa, you're going to add an extra 15 pounds to that weight cut, and you're going to add an extra two rounds of fighting to the fight. I just think that's a very bad idea for Rafael Dos Anjos. And even though Paul Felder is coming in on short notice, we have no idea what kind of cardio shape he will be in. I am going to be picking Paul Felder to pull off the upset here, and we'll be betting him as an underdog. I think that when the fight is on the feet, we're going to see Paul Felder be the more damaging fighter. He is the more durable fighter. He can take a tremendous amount of punishment to the legs, to the body, even head strikes, and just keeps marching forward. And we cannot say the same about Rafael Dos Santos. He has not proven that same type of durability and physicality that Paul Felder has. And Paul Felder is really just a tank of a man, extremely tough guy. I mean, he has taken some beatings in his UFC career and has either come back from those beatings to win the fight or made it to the decision uh, in a competitive fight. Uh, really big fan of Paul Felder. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Rafael Dos Santos as well, but I do think this matchup favors Paul Felder. The only way I see that Rafael Dos Santos winning this fight comfortably and justifying his minus 200 price tag is if he hits offensive takedowns and gets his grappling going. Rafael Dos Santos is a tremendous grappler, very heavy top pressure, can submit his opponents from top. But we just haven't seen him really do that much lately. We did see him do it against Kevin Lee. But I just think that that is such a different matchup than Paul Felder. Paul Felder is just so much tougher, so much harder to take down, so much more resilient than Kevin Lee. I do not think that Paul Felder gets taken down and put on his back that easily. So in my opinion, Rafael Dos Santos needs takedowns to win this fight. He needs takedowns to justify that minus 200 price tag. And I do not think that we can rely on him to get those takedowns uh, versus a tough, durable guy, hard to take down guy in Paul Felder. And on the feet, I favor Paul Felder. I think he will be landing the more damage. He will be marching Rafael Dos Santos down and he will be outstriking Dos Santos in this fight. I ultimately see the fight being a close decision. I think it will be a 48-47 decision for Paul Felder, although I could see a late knockout somewhere along the line, although it would surprise me considering that we don't know where Paul Felder's cardio is. Um, 
I'm going to predict a decision. I'll go with a 48-47 decision for Paul Felder. I do think that Rafael DeSanjos deserves to be a slight favorite in this fight, maybe minus 130, minus 150, but where it's at now, there's clear value on Paul Felder. I will be betting Paul Felder for about one, one and a half units, and will be picking him to win by decision. So that is going to do it for the podcast this week. Hope you all enjoyed this episode. Once again, check out my official Bet MMA Tips page in the description of the YouTube videos and in my Twitter profile. That's where you find all my official track bets where I will post all my official bets for the card tomorrow night. Won't be the heaviest card for me uh, because I don't really like that many spots on this card, but I will still end up with a few bets for sure for at least maybe four or five units total. So that's where you can check out my official plays. Thank you all for listening. Hope you all enjoy the card this weekend. Hope you all win some bets, and I will see you before the next UFC next week. Peace. Peace.